Hey guys, great to be with you tonight. By the way, we have a new record tonight. Most Hishmas on one stage. Congratulations. Um, it's just a defining moment for me. My heart is, is full. Hey, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Um, I, I think about what God has given you. And God has given you time. He's given you energy. He's given you ability. And he's given you resources or other gifts. And um, what we're going to be talking about is not just about money. I know in just a few minutes, we're going to be handing $930 of fake money to you, to each person here, just for coming. Um, And it's easy just to think that you are, this is what you're worth for one week on a job. But, But God's worth is far greater than anything money could buy. Do you you realize that? See, our our culture defines you by what you have, what you own, how much you make, where you work, uh, where you live, what you drive, where you go on vacations. And and that, I think, really ticks off the heart of God, that people could be reduced down to a, a value. Because ultimately, what the scriptures say about each one of us is that we've been bought with a price. And it's not the price of anything we could pay. That We could work... Uh, 24-7, 365, and we couldn't pay off what we owe because of the debt that we have. But Jesus Christ, with his precious blood, died on the cross for us. That communicates that to God, we have infinite worth. We are priceless. Three things last forever, God, his word, and people. And you and I live forever. So what we're talking about here, I think in 100 years when we're all in heaven, let's have a conversation because we'll go, Money, I mean, really gold. They're paving streets up here with gold. It's like asphalt. It has no value. But what does matter? What is eternal? God, his word, and people. And we'll be celebrating God. We'll be living out the reality of his word in heaven. And we'll do that together as a community of people who are always learning, always growing, always deepening, always worshiping the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to get over this in a little bit. But don't get over the person and the work of Jesus. All right. I wanted to uh, kind of go through a, a quick picture with you about, um, about where you are right now when it comes to money and finances, when you think about that. And I know a lot of you are fully dependent. Matter, matter of fact, all of you are fully dependent on your parents Um, for the most part, and some of you have jobs and are working for spending money or saving for college. God bless you. You are doing a great job. Uh, Others of you are involved in sports, and you're involved with other extracurricular activities, and you're just swamped, and so you're, you're wondering. Let me just think, what does your family look like, if you could describe it? I bet if I could know the realities of your families, I know some of you are barely surviving, like, when your parents get the mail, they're, they're afraid to open the mail because there's a bill there that they don't have the money to pay. There's some of us like that in this room. Secondly, there might be some of us who are, who are colliding. Those are people who are surviving. There's some who are colliding. In other words, anytime your parents talk about money, it's, it's a conflict. There's arguments. Dad, could I get the, No, what do you want that for? We don't need that. You know, and you, so you're afraid to ask because anytime you talk about it, They've got pressure and they got stress. Others are consuming, and, but they get to the end of the month and you go, where did it all go? Where did it all go? And others, very few, very few are thriving with this area. And so here's what I've learned just as being a pastor now for coming up on 30 years. 
It doesn't matter how much you own. It doesn't matter how much you make. It's what you're doing with what God entrusts you. So some of you are going to get jobs that are like a teacher, and they don't make a whole lot of money, but the investment you're making in, ch- in children or students is infinite. I'm a different person because a teacher built into me, and that's worth the sacrifice. Others of you are going to make a lot of money, but what I want to talk to you about right now is what happens with money when it hits you, because that's an important thing. If God trusts you with a lot of money or he trusts you with a little money, it's what we're doing with it that matters, because that's all he holds us accountable to. He doesn't hold you accountable to more money than he's given you. He's only called you to be responsible with the money that he's already entrusted to you. And I want to talk to you about four destinations for money. And as you think about these four destinations, there's practices that go with this. And they're expressed in your notes. I filled in all the notes, so you probably won't be writing in any notes, but I'll be giving some uh, illustrations as we go along through it. But the first one is this, is receiving, receiving. A lot of people miss this. A lot of people miss that concept of of this first destination. I'll just represent it here because I'll I'll work my way across the stage. Receiving from the Lord. A lot of people don't see that everything comes from the Lord, that he's not just the giver of everything, he owns it all. Where do you get this, Joe? Where, Where is this found? It's found in the Bible. Let's take a look. Uh, Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell in it. Do you know God owns you? (laughs) And he owns me? He owns everyone. He owns everything, the whole earth and everything that is in the earth. Keep looking. In Psalm 145, 15 through 16, it says, The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Here's one of my favorite passages. Look at this again. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. That's how God is. He's generous with what he has. He gives us everything. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us everything. And so therefore, God is the owner and the giver of everything. He owns it all. He owns it all. And therefore, on this first destination, it's a destination for you to stop. And do two practices. One is this. Thank God for everything he's given you. And be content with what God's given you. I think this is really important. If we miss this step, here's what people tend to do. If they don't see God as the owner and giver of everything, and they don't see him as someone to thank or to be content with, guess what they do? They move all the way. They forget the other steps, and they go right to this destination and go spend it all. That's the last destination. I'm going to spend it all. I'm going to live on more, and I'm going to live life. Because here's the the philosophy behind it. And, And I've known that it's not just been people without God on this one. This is people even in church youth groups. They say this, be good. Why? Because God is watching. If you mess up, he's going to get you. Second of all, have fun. Why? Because out of everything in the world, God wants, wants me to be happy. And the third thing is, live your life. It's your life. It's your money. Don't have anyone tell you what to do with it. Just live the way you want to live. There's a lot of people who profess they're Christians, and they live with those three tenets. And it destroys everything God gives you. It destroys the gospel because be good means you can earn your way to him, that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It destroys the gospel. The gospel says you can't save yourself. You, you might be better than someone else, but you're not better than Jesus. We all need Jesus. 
it destroys the character of God in you that if you're going to be good, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to love him, you, he has to give you that love. You can't do that on your own. I can't love my wife or my kids or you on my own. I have to have Jesus teach me how to do that. Why? Because sometimes I have expectations you can't fill. Sometimes you hurt me. And if I'm going towards the pattern of this world, I'm going to get you back. So I need Jesus to show me there's a different way. That just like he forgave me, I can forgive you. And, and just like he's given me so many things, life, breath, abilities, resources, I got to stop at that first destination. And I go, God, thank you. And when I look at what God's given me, that's enough. That's enough. I'll work with that. Thank you. But I'm not, I'm not first string. I'm not varsity in soccer or in track. But, but my time right now is enough. I'm going to be content with it. My ability right now is enough. I'm going to use the ability God gave me right now to make a difference in the friends around me right now. You see, if we're always chasing the next thing, if we're always chasing the next time, the next goal, the next whatever, we're not going to be content with that first destination. Think about that. Let's go to the second destination, and that is giving. Once you understand that God is the owner and giver of everything, and once you thank him and are content with that, here's the second one, giving. Giving recognizes that God's not just the owner and giver of everything, that he is working, and he's alive, and he's doing stuff in the world today. And he has, a, he has a task for us to join him with. And when I asked you, what has God given you? Some of you, God has given you more time, okay? And so how, what are you doing with that time? I'm playing video games. How many hours do you play video games a week? I haven't counted, but if I did, four hours a day, seven days a week, 28 hours a day. And I'm in school for, for even more of that time, so my free time is video games. That's, that's not. What can you do? God's given you some time, right? What are you doing with the time he has? If we use up all our time and we can't give to God, we're wasting time. Some of you, God's given energy. I know he's given everyone in this room more energy than he has given me. How are you using that energy? Some of you are involved in Doxazo. Some of you are involved in Super Kids, Super Camp. I look at Super Camp, Super Kids, Super Camp, and I get tired just looking at it. Just looking at it. And you guys are in it, and you're serving. Some of you go to Barnabas, Camp Barnabas. I think about Barnabas, my heart rate goes up. I can't. Some of you are changing briefs on a pier, and you're okay with that. I would have to grow up to be a whole different man right now to have the capacity, and you do that. Both of my boys were able to do that and, and serve and had called it one of the best weeks of their lives because they gave their time, they gave their energy. And then when God gives you finances, he calls us to give him. Where does it say that in the Bible? It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's kind of a promise from God I know he owns it all, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that? Another verse. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, and remember the words, words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said. This one thing Jesus said to them, it's better 
to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't think our culture believes that. Because, frankly, we tend to believe it's better to receive than to give. And what I found, just as I've talked to older people, is they believe this. Why? Because they've learned over time and how to be practiced in their giving. And they really do realize, I don't look anymore for what I'm going to get for Christmas. I could care less what I get for, for uh, my birthday. I could care less, really. I, it was such a big thing when I was a kid. And at five years old, I still remember, I wanted a big wheel. And I got the big wheel. And then I wanted something else. I wanted the skateboard. And I got the skateboard. And then I wanted something else. And it was unending because it was so much better for me to receive than it was to give. And what God has taught me over the years, it really is better to give. Why not learn that now? Why not be people? Why not be a generation that rises up and says, no, really, we're going to learn this one. We're going to hang out on this principle. It's better to give than to receive. And then Mark, ultimately, we are going to meet before the Lord, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And here, the picture is, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will give you, uh, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you know giving's rewarded in heaven? No, it's not going to be something that you go, ah, look what I've got. You don't have it. Look what I'm driving. Look at where I'm living. You won't have that desire to show off with things. But you will receive a reward through giving. That's the second destination. Third is saving. Saving's uh, a destination. Again, if you go through this, and by the way, here's, this, here's the last point on that, is that I've been blessed to be a blessing. God meets needs through people who give. So when you meet a need, when you help someone out who's going through a difficult time, when you feed someone who is under-resourced, when you serve in an area, you are blessed with time and energy and resources to be a blessing. Therefore, the practices there are make it a priority. Make it a priority and celebrate when you do it. Here's a few things I've learned about giving. If it's not first, it'll be last. That's Ricky Bobby theology, okay? You're not first in giving. You're going to be last in giving. If you don't give first, there are going to be a whole bunch of other opportunities for you to give, and that'll be the last thing on your mind. And that's what people do. They give leftovers to God. Now, do you love anyone with leftovers? Would you ever, if you're dating a girl, give her seven-day-old flowers that are wilted and go, thinking about you today, babe? What would she do with that? She'd go, what is that? Yeah, well, it's the end of the week. I'm tired. It's all I got. I took, stole them from a funeral parlor down the road. Okay. <laughs> No, you would never do that because you don't love someone with leftovers, right? When you give, you give because you love Jesus. You give to grow your heart in love for him. So you give him your first and your best, not your last and your leftovers. And then celebrate. Some people think, man, if I give, I'm losing this. I'm losing out. No way. You can't think like that. I, I try to celebrate every time I give. I try to go, yes, this is awesome. I get to do this rather than I have to do this. If you feel like you're losing from, from it, you will see it as an obligation. If you celebrate it, it's going to be an opportunity, right? And that's where you get joy, is when you, you make a decision, make a choice to give. All right, I got to move because I've, your time in your small group is going to be awesome tonight. Third destination is saving. 
And saving, it's, uh, the picture that the scriptures give it is the prudent sees dangers and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. So giving and saving, saving is something that we're called. When God gives us more, we're called to open up opportunities for the future. Another passage is, is in Proverbs 21.5. It says, the plan of the diligent leads surely to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. In other words, you spend it all and more, you come to poverty. The diligent person who works hard also knows how to handle abundance. And here's, here's a few things that happen with, with that. In other words, God is, is preparing me for the future when I save wisely. And he's preparing me for future opportunities that God is actually planning. I believe God knows the future. I don't. I don't claim to see into the future. But I know he has a future. How I'm living today, maybe he's preparing me for that. Maybe he's preparing me financially for two things. Emergencies or opportunities. Emergencies. If something were to happen and someone, I were to lose my job, what would happen with my family? Would they be provided for? Maybe if I've been wise with what God's given me now. It gives me an opportunity, an emergency, not to freak out. If we have money that's saved up for several months and, and we go through a difficult time or I step out of this job or something, I don't have another job, how's my family going to do that? You know, I'd, I'd lose more hair if I didn't have an emergency fund. But because I do, I can relax a little bit. It won't be a big crisis. And then what about opportunities? What if someone else needs money and I'm spending all mine? How can I have an opportunity to give? How could my son have an opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic if I'm spending all my money and I can't support him on that trip? Those are opportunities God gives us that we should be wise with the resources God has given us. Okay, last step is this, and by the way, spending. And this is kind of the big one because um, as the scriptures call us and gives us principles on how to spend. Number one, Proverbs 23, 27, 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. What does this mean? I mean, I know we're in Kansas, but this literally means know what God has blessed you with. Know what's going on with your finances. Spend wisely. Know the condition of things. Can I tell you, very few people have a budget or a spending plan in the real world. Very few people, especially the ones who live on more than their income, even know how much debt they have. And when you don't know, it just gets worse. I was talking with a guy today. He just went through medical school. His $250,000 of medical school debt. He married another person who also went through medical school. And she has $250,000 of medical. Okay? So they will have to, in 10 years, pay off half a million dollars in medical school debt. That's huge. That's huge. But they've overspent. They've lived beyond their means. Now, personally, they'll probably make a lot of money, and over time that will wash its way out. But right now there are people graduating from KU and K-State who will make $32,000 a year and have $60,000 of debt to pay off. That's spending beyond your capacity to pay it. Our government right now is spending far beyond the money it takes in. So it's not living with that wisdom. And sooner or later, you're going to be a generation that has to pay that. I won't because I'll die, but you guys will have to pay that. And it's not going to be fun. 
it's not going to be fun. But we just kind of live, no big deal. Hey, let's print more money. <laughs> and that's what the government is doing right now. We call it economic easing, easing but really it's printing money. And the value of money goes down, and the crisis potential goes up. So ultimately, we want to be people who, like in Ecclesiastes, we're not in love with money. It says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money. That's so true. How do we know that? Look at the wealthy. Look at the famous. Are they satisfied in life? No, that's why we read about all their broken marriages and all their broken children and all their broken decisions. And they freak out. We get it on a viral video and go, oh, did you see what happened to so-and-so this weekend? Look at them. Yes, because they are never satisfied. Money cannot meet that need. And then he who loves wealth or, or with his income, this is also vanity. Solomon was the richest, wisest person who's ever lived. He had wealth far beyond, far beyond the, anyone in the world at that time. And what did he do? He realized this is vanity if that's my life. So ultimately... Paul says this, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, in other words, look down on others, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The truth is, by providing for my needs, I can reflect God and enjoy his blessings. God doesn't give us things to tick us off. He gives us things that we can enjoy them. He meets our needs, but he also says, enjoy what I gave you, but don't worship what I gave you. And that's why we have to be careful that we worship God with our things, but we don't worship things. So ultimately, we need to see that God has given me things to provide and to give me enjoyment in life. And that's, that's what God does. Sometimes he shows us and gives us things for us to enjoy to give us a greater passion and a desire for a life with him in eternity. But again, we're not called to worship those things. So I'm never, if you come in with a new car, I'm never going to go, you should have given. No, I'm not going to do that unless you worship that car. And in a relationship, if we're close enough and I see you worshiping that car, I'll probably call you out because my friends call me out on things they see in me too. But ultimately, we're not here to judge. We're not here to give guilt and shame, but we're here to call you to follow Jesus. So here's my parting, parting notes. Here's the deal. You're going to get play money. This is $930, and you're going to get an envelope on your way out. Please take one, okay? Everyone just take one? Okay, thank you. Um, but what it's going to show you as you work through that survey you just took, and you, as you walked in here, and if you came in late, fill out a survey before you go into your small group. Um, but your small group leader is going to put out four cards and four spending areas, these destinations that I've just talked about. And you're going to basically take what you wrote down there and your small group leader will tell you, you got a cell phone, this is how much you need to pay to that one. And you're going to spend this money. And you're going to have, some, some of you are going to have tension because you've overspent it and there's, then there's going to be a crisis and you're going, to, you're going to have to deal with that. Others of you will have leftover because you were pretty conservative in that. You don't want to flaunt that to other people, okay? I have money, you don't. You wouldn't do that in real life. So show some respect. But here's the deal. The best time for you to learn how to handle money is when you have none. It is. This is the best time in the history of your lives for you to learn and to practice with play money so that when God gives you real money, you're wise with it, right? Right? Yes. And you have an opportunity just as a group. And I'm just going to say to you, those who are in this room right now, look up here. 
and everyone's in this room. (laughs) You have an opportunity as a generation of Christ followers to break out of spending it all or more than you make to make the point that you're beautiful, that you're significant, that you're worthy, and you're called to set that aside to lift up a priceless treasure of Jesus in your lives. And I look to you to do that because my generation is stinking at it right now. They are. You are a generation that can break from this mold right now. You can be a generation that gives far more than any previous generation if Jesus got a hold of your heart and he got a hold of your checkbook too. And we're talking about no one not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ because people didn't go and weren't sent by the church here. We're, we're talking about people who are generous, generous with the gospel, with the, with the character of Jesus, and with what Jesus has entrusted to us. Folks, you have an opportunity right now to say, this is the man, this is the woman. I want to be with everything Jesus entrusts to me. And I can tell you this. I can tell you this. You have seen, you have seen that all the money in the world doesn't make your parents get along any better. You have lived that all the houses and all the cars and all the vacations cannot change the heart of a parent or you. But Jesus can. And so whether God has given you a lot or a little, we can make a point with this, and we we can make a difference. You're going to see some stuff. If you checked all these things, yes, you're going to see some realities that, boy, I'm glad this was just play. And you have an opportunity to change. I'm going to set you free into your small groups. Your small groups might go a little bit longer tonight. That's because I spoke for seven extra minutes. But before you leave, and I'm sorry, before you leave, pick up one of these envelopes in the back. Small group leaders, God bless you.